Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is January 17th, 2022, and our first story. So many Democrat voters have quit the party and joined the Republicans that according to Gallup, the GOP now outnumbers the Democratic Party, leaving desperate Democrats saying they may run Hillary Clinton in 2024 if they do poorly in the midterms. And our next story, according to Rasmussen, Democratic voters favor interning the unvaccinated, arresting people for questioning vaccines. This is an insane story. And our last story, Ethan Klein, podcaster, deleting episodes of his podcast with Jordan Peterson sparks outrage. We get into why. Now, if you like the show, leave us a good review and share the show with your friends. It really helps. Now, let's get into that first story. With 26 Democrats announcing they will retire from Congress at the end of this year, a failed legislative agenda failing approval among Joe Biden, and now a new poll showing that in the United States, Democrats have lost their party advantage and more people now identify as Republicans. The desperation is becoming clear, with some Democrats saying we must pass this quote-unquote voter rights legislation, otherwise we won't win, which is a strange thing to admit. But what we're really seeing that's kind of funny and sad is the floating of Hillary Clinton 2024. In a story from TimCast.com, if Biden loses Congress in the midterms, Hillary Clinton may run in 2024. They keep trying to make Hillary Clinton happen. A deeply unpopular woman that people rejected the first time for Donald Trump. And now we're supposed to believe she can, in 2024, defeat Donald Trump. Both Trump and Hillary Clinton will be particularly old. I think Hillary's already in her mid to late 70s. So by 2024, we're talking some of the oldest candidates ever in this country. Sorry, I just don't see it. I really, I really do think many of these stories that are coming out, you know, what I mean, what I mean by this is, you know, a Clinton advisor says Hillary may run. What's the point of that? Are they putting feelers out there to see what the response is going to be to a Hillary Clinton run? Nobody likes her. You will lose the entirety of the progressive vote. And even though it may only be around 10% of the country, that means you will lose. Perhaps if Donald Trump does run, the sheer hatred for the man may actually help Hillary win. And that's the plan, I guess. But I got to be honest, I would not be surprised if more people hate Hillary Clinton, though I think it's fair to say eh, it's a toss up. 
A lot of people in 2016 did not vote Hillary because they don't like her and didn't care about Donald Trump. I think I'm one of them. I wasn't willing to vote for Hillary. I think she's terrible. I think Joe Biden is terrible. I think Obama is terrible. And I did not care at all about voting for or against anybody. In 2020, however, a lot of people genuinely felt they needed to vote against Donald Trump and they would vote for anything. So they voted for Joe Biden. So is this the, the, the long con for, for the uh, Democrats? They knew Hillary Clinton couldn't win in 2016. They've destroyed the Democratic Party. People are fleeing. In Florida, there's more Republicans than Democrats now. Store shelves are barren and people are revolting, but they can turn it all around with Hillary Clinton. Now, I think it's insane. I think what we're really seeing is that regular people are sick and tired of school lockdowns. They need their kids to go to school. They're tired of their kids being forced to wear masks. They're tired of forced vaccination. They're tired of constant fear mining. They want to move on with their lives and the Democrats won't do it. Enslaved by their own tribalist cult. The best thing they have to offer is this. Well, we're seeing it across the board. Frustrated Democrats, say the New York Times, are, are begging for a reset right now because the midterms are coming and they are going to get wiped out. It's entirely possible we see something like what we saw in the UK, maybe even in certain areas that are, you know, historically blue for the past several generations, turn red. That actually happened in Miami. I'm not making a hard prediction here. I'm saying, hey, maybe what happened in Miami might happen again somewhere. I honestly don't know. I will say for all Republicans, you'd be uh, in a, you're, you're, don't underestimate them. So put it that way. Do not underestimate their ability to pass voter rights legislation, they call it, or to actually convince people through lies and manipulation in the mainstream press. However, I think that ship has sailed. They've played that hand and regular people have said, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Well, let's dive into the news and we'll see what's going on. But we won't just start with Hillary Clinton. We'll start with the major shift in political party preference. This is big. Democrats historically have an advantage over Republicans, and now it's inverted. The lies are done. The Democratic Party is in the decline. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to help support our work. If you like videos like this, if you like this show, and if you want to help support our journalists who are writing these stories, go to TimCast.com in the top right-hand corner and click sign up. And you will also get exclusive episodes of the TimCast IRL podcast which uh, we put up Monday through Thursday around 11 or so p.m. And I don't normally do this, but considering Andy already tweeted it out, I'll say this. If you're catching this show on the 17th, tonight we are going to have James O'Keefe, Andy No, and Libby Emmons all on the same show because we're crazy and this should be a wild conversation. So again, we're going to have a members-only podcast there as well. So check out that show at 8 p.m. tonight. That being said, Smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's read this story from Gallup. They report, on average, Americans' political party preference in 2021 looked similar to prior years, with slightly more U.S. adults identifying as Democrats or leaning Democratic than identified as Republicans or leaned Republican. Now, they want to say, however, the general stability of the full year average obscures a dramatic shift over the course of 2021. From a nine percentage point Democratic advantage in the first quarter to a rare five point Republican edge in the fourth quarter. Democrats trying to save face will say in the year 2021, Democrats held an, uh, an advantage by three points over Republicans. But if you actually break it down by quarter and probably by month, 
you can see that Republicans have consistently been growing in party size and Democrats have been shrinking. You know, I, I passively identified as a Democrat back in the day, you know, eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And then just started to consider myself independent because I don't know anything about the Democratic Party, you know, back then. And I didn't want to be involved. And so I said, independent, independent. I still consider myself there for the most part. But it's interesting to see what will happen when many people who are formerly Democrats now have no problem and overtly come out and say they are Republicans. They say these results are based on aggregated data from all U.S. Gallup telephone surveys in 2021, which included interviews with more than 12 thousand randomly sampled U.S. adults. My friends, this is not just some fly-by-night pollster asking 100 people. This is 12,000, a massive sample size. Massive. Now, if you get like 2,000 people in a sample size and you've got a pollster, what they do is they'll strategically target certain areas of the country to try and figure out what they think the general population feels about a thing. That could be tough because those polls may not be that great. 12,000 randomly sampled U.S. adults seeing this shift. Now, that's massive. It's entirely possible that it's a telephone survey, and I'm here to be reasonable and give you real facts. And as a telephone survey, could it be that um, the people more likely to answer their phone are probably older? Young people like texting and posting on social media. So when they see a number they don't recognize, they click end. I know I do. Is it older folks more likely to answer the phone? If that's the case, could it be that's why we're seeing the skew Republican because older people are Republican? It's possible. And I, th I think it's fair to bring up. But when we're looking at one year, it's not like all the old people just aged out in a few months. Suffice it to say, the same people were answering the phones throughout the year. It's one year. And thus, I think the shift is legitimate. I think the Democrats are collapsing. Here's a story from thehill.com. Florida looms large in Republican 2024 primary. The Hill reports Florida is emerging as the epicenter of the early fight for the GOP presidential nomination. As speculation grows about the possibility of as many as four Republicans from the Sunshine State pursuing the party's nod in 2024. Among the, Flor uh, the Flor Floridians seen as potential White House hopefuls are DeSantis, Rubio, Rick Scott, and of course, Trump, who has repeatedly hinted at 2024. Rubio's out. Okay, like he might run, but come on, please spare me. Rick Scott, never going to happen. DeSantis and Trump, that seems obvious. They say the densely packed field of Floridians weighing campaigns for the White House raises the potential for a political free for all that could pit some of the state's most prominent Republicans against one another. But it also underscores the extent to which the Sunshine State has become a hub for the conservative movement in recent years. Quote, you're almost guaranteed that a Floridian is going to be the nominee in 2024, said Ford O'Connell, a Florida-based Republican strategist and former congressional candidate. Until Donald Trump became a Florida resident, Florida had never had a presidential nominee or VP nominee in the history of the state. Wow, is that for real? That's crazy. It's gone from being an important battleground to literally the center of the universe of the Republican Party. There's no way to know for sure how the Republican presidential field will shape up. Duh, that's called seeing the future. Scott has said that he's planning on running for re-election in 2024, while DeSantis has sought to tamp down speculation about his national ambitions, saying that he's focused on winning a second term in the governor's mansion this year. It's another morning, and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield. 
the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com carlson and save 20% today. Now we've asked this question. Will DeSantis run? Some have said it would be a mistake because he'd be running running against Trump. And Trump is insanely popular. Others have stated if DeSantis does not run now, he will lose his steam and never have another chance again. And if he does run now and does lose, he burns himself out. Then what? He runs again and he's a failed candidate. Now, I think there's definitely a chance for DeSantis in 2028. I think it's strong possibility he runs in 2024. We won't know for sure for some time. We are. Look, it's only the beginning of 2022. We haven't even gotten through the midterms yet. And what happens in the midterms will potentially influence what ends up happening in 2024. From TimCast.com, ladies and gentlemen, you waited for this moment and you probably don't care. And I got to be honest, I don't think very many people will even click on this video to watch because not only do people hate Hillary Clinton, many don't care about her at all. I'm going to level with you guys. When I'm going through the news trying to figure out what the biggest story of the day is, I saw this and I said, I'm willing to bet people won't click on a video about Hillary Clinton. They'll just say, don't know, don't care. She's not relevant. She's not in politics. And this is stupid nonsense. Well, within reason, I'd agree. I think a lot of the stories that have come about come out about Hillary running are just nonsense. But it got to a certain point where there are so many stories about it. I think there's a possibility Hillary is having people put out feelers to see if they're going to get a positive response because she desperately wants to be president. From TimCast.com. A former advisor to Bill Clinton says there's a good chance Hillary Clinton will run against Donald Trump in the 2024 presidential election. In a radio interview on Sunday, Dick Morris claimed that a Clinton versus Trump rematch is likely if the Democrats fail to maintain majority control in government. Morris went on to allege that failure in November's midterms would cause Democrats to turn on President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. There's a good chance of it, especially if the current president loses Congress in the midterms, Morris told WABC radio host Jim Katsimatidis. Katsimatidis, however you pronounce it, sorry. Morris applauded Clinton's campaign strategy, which could see her compete against Trump after he beat her to the White House in 2016. Hillary has set up a brilliant, brilliant strategy that nobody else is able to do, Morris said. What she's done at a point at which no Democrat is willing to come out and criticize Joe Biden. But all Democrats are disappointed with him and have to realize the ultimate correctness of our accusations that he was incompetent to be president. She has set up a zero-sum gain with him. The worse he does, the better she does because she's positioned herself as the Democratic alternative to Biden, concluded Morris. Spare me. If they thought Hillary Clinton could win, she would have run in 2020, not skipped a cycle. No. She can't win. She's too, she's too out of it. Too many people hate her guts. It's a stupid idea. And it's probably never going to happen. 
in the interview. He also pointed out that it appears Clinton has positioned herself as an alternative to the extreme left views. She has previously cautioned Democrats to be mindful of candidates that are running what she ref- ref- uh, uh, in what she refers to as pur- purple districts. Morris also said, there is only one person capable of that thinking, her husband, Bill. So far, Clinton has not said if she intends to campaign for president in 2024. However, she has publicly stated that Biden's efforts mean nothing if we don't have a Congress that will get things done and we don't have a White House that we can count on to be sane and sober and stable and productive. Morris claims that Clinton could easily take her place as the Democratic Party's change candidate who can contrast Biden's failures in office. Morris went on to state, the left wing took over the party and led us into disaster in the 2020 midterms. Hmm. All part of their big plan, is it? Is that what the Democrats are doing? In order to finally give Hillary Clinton her turn, they are sinking themselves in 2022 so that desperate and angry Americans seeking some kind of alternative will vote for Hillary in 2024 and give the Democrats a clean sweep. That would imply that after the Republicans win the midterms, they sink it as well. Right now, people are pissed off at Democrats. There's not a whole lot to say about Republicans, and there hasn't been for some time because all they do is obstruct. And if the Republicans win in 2022 and do the bare minimum, I can't imagine people will be upset with them because by contrast, the Democrats will look extremely bad. I mean, they do. That's basically what's happening. It's like Mitch McConnell's awful, but the Democrats are so much worse that it's just like, yikes. Here's, uh, here's the news from CNBC. This country is getting angry when they go to the supermarket. GOP pollster says Democrats are going to be crushed in November. Well, it's not so much that you heard it here first. People have been saying it. And I, I, would, I would caution Republicans to uh, be careful on this one. Don't get your hopes up. They'll try and rile you up, make you think that the Republicans have it in the bag. And maybe they don't. And to be honest, even if the Republicans do have it in the bag, are we just going to get a bunch of neocon, you know, establishment, uniparty congressmen and women who do nothing but stink it up, smash the system or smash their chances, resulting in Democrats swooping in to save the day in 2024 with Hillary Clinton? Well, maybe not. But keep that in mind. If you do not vote in the primaries, don't expect anything in, in November. CNBC reports. Discontent over skyrocketing inflation is the most important issue for voters heading into this year's midterm election. And Democrats are going to pay the price, according to Frank Luntz. While Luntz is a Republican, he tends to take both parties to task when he feels they're missing the mark on the issue. Quote, we're not just anxious anymore. This country is getting angry when they go to the supermarket, when they fill up their tanks. They're going to take that anger out at the ballot box in November. Lund said he can't fathom why President Joe Biden is trying to paint such a rosy picture of the economy while many people are struggling with higher prices against the backdrop of the hardships of the continuing pandemic and spiking COVID cases around the nation due to the highly contagious Omicron variant. Voters have given Biden poor marks on the economy in recent polling, including the latest CNBC change research survey. Quote, there's a complete disconnect between what they are being told and what they're experiencing. The reason inflation is so important politically and economically, it's universal, ubiquitous, and it's understandable. I think this is going to have a much bigger effect on the electoral outcome in November than things like the Voting Rights Act or January 6th. This is hitting people where they live. I'd like to pause there and say very simply to our good friend, Frank Luntz, 
the Voting Rights Act will change how voting is performed. That will have the biggest impact on the election. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And if and you can take a look at that voting rights bill. Lund's basis. A lot of his analysis on takeaways from focus groups with swing voters. In the lead up to the 2020 presidential election, for example, he predicted Biden would beat incumbent Donald Trump, which is amazing. That was surprising. However, before and after the election, the pollster was rather even handed in his criticisms of both Trump and Biden on CNBC. You can't blame Republicans for the high inflation, Lunt said on Friday on Squawk Box. This is only only something that's happened over the last year. It may not be Joe Biden's responsibility, Luntz acknowledged, recognizing the the dynamics causing rising prices, such as persistent easy money by the Fed. But the public is increasingly thinking it is Biden's fault. And the consequences of that are significant on Democrats. The White House did not immediately respond for a request to comment. This week, there was more confirmation of what Americans have been feeling in their everyday lives. Inflation is raging. And everything from food to gas to buying big ticket items like used cars is costing a whole lot more. The government said Thursday that the December producer price index rose 9.7% year over year, the largest increase on record. The The reading on last month's wholesale inflation came one day after December's consumer price index rose 7% year over year, the quickest pace since June 1982. While both numbers were basically in line with Wall Street estimates, they were still more that they were still more evidence of problematic inflation. So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing regular people not caring all that much about the core policy issues, the, the nitty-gritty of voting rights. They're saying, "Yo, why can't I buy milk, bread, and eggs? You know, I, I see this in the grocery store when I go. When I fill up the cart and I get, I mean, the price is through the roof. I've, I've mentioned it a lot, right? You know, but if, if you've heard me say it, if you haven't, what used to cost me 150, 200 bucks, it's now $600. I'm not even kidding. We went and we were getting lunch meat and it was like the card was a third full and it was like 600 bucks. No joke. I could, I, I, I thought it was wrong. You know, I was like, no, 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 this is, this is a mistake. They must have done something wrong with the prices. And I looked at the receipt and I was like, it, it, you know, individually, each item didn't seem like anything crazy, like salami and cheese and stuff. And then I looked and I was like, 10 bucks, 10 bucks here, 10 bucks there. I didn't think about it. If you're looking at a price of something and it's around 10 bucks for like a pack of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're looking at five to 10 bucks. You're saying that if you get, 60 to 100 items, you're looking at hundreds of dollars. In fact, it could even be as clo- close, than, close to $1,000, depending on what you get. Now, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, you know, what specific policy other than the mass printing of money. You know, I, I don't know if there's something Joe Biden could have done. Because of the collapse, what I can say is rejecting these mass spending bills. I'll put it that way. Let, let, me, let me clarify what I mean by what I'm saying. I don't know exactly economic wise, what you do to stop everything where it is right now, other than do nothing. That's what I've heard. I've heard economists say, just stop, just stop. Let the market course correct. Let it heal. But it seems like the problem is that would hurt Democrats in the elections. That's why they won't do it. So they're trying to artificially pump or, or, or give money or print money, hoping that in the short term, it confuses people into voting for them. And then afterwards, Here's the recoil. That's what I think happened in the last year with Democrats pushing these mass spending bills, Republicans blindly just following, you know, with them. And it brings us to where we are today. 
And, and Trump has a lot to blame for it. His inexperience, his failure to fire certain people. Well, it may not be Hillary Clinton, but considering the fact that many people believe Republicans are going to sweep this year in the next elections, I'm not surprised to see this story from the Hill. Democrats see good chance of Garland prosecuting Trump. If you can't beat him, use the weight of federal law enforcement to make sure he can't run anyway. Now, that's scary, isn't it? Look, I always say this. If they commit crimes, they deserve to go to jail, to be prosecuted, to be found guilty, etc. But this is getting crazy. Prosecute Trump for what? Well, the left just believes Trump's a criminal. I've not seen any evidence. He's not been charged with any crimes. And so innocent until proven guilty. And that being said, the idea that Democrats would be rooting for cheering on the, 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 absolute, the criminal prosecution of their chief rival in 2024, it's insane. Now I want to point something out. I called for Joe Biden to be prosecuted, to be arrested. When Donald Trump was looking into Joe Biden's quid pro quo, Joe Biden was not running for office. It was a year out before the primary was even going to begin. And Joe Biden hadn't announced anything. And I was like, okay, fine. Donald Trump is predicting that Biden will run. And, and sure, Biden did end up running. That's not how I see it. I think Joe Biden was engaged in illegal activities in Ukraine. We've seen more than enough evidence. And thus, they said, Biden, you better run. They used it against Trump. And that's why we end up with crackpot old broken brain Biden. Well, here's their next strategy. They did impeach Trump over that, by the way. The Hill reports Senate Democrats believe there's a good chance the Department of Justice will prosecute former President Trump for trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election and inciting the January 6th attack on the Capitol, which would have major political reverberations ahead of the 2024 election. I'd like to point out, it was Republican Rep Kinzinger who said that Ray Epps, a man seen on camera screaming for people to enter the Capitol, did nothing wrong, and thus he shouldn't be prosecuted. You know, if you got a guy who's overtly telling people to enter the Capitol, and then you have Trump who said, we're going to be strong. We're going to go peacefully march and watch people uh, vote or whatever. You think, the, you think Trump incited an insurrection, but this other guy didn't? Spare me your lies. What they're trying to do with the sedition charges is justify in, this insurrection claim so then they can then file lawsuits against Trump supporting Republican candidates and Trump and disqualify them from holding office. It would be nefarious, to say the least. Democratic lawmakers say they don't have any inside information on what might happen and describe Attorney General Merrick Garland as someone who would make sure to run any investigation strictly by the book. But they also say the fact that Garland has provided little indication about whether the Department of Justice has its prosecutorial sights set on Trump doesn't necessarily mean the former president isn't likely to be charged. Given the weight of public evidence, Democratic lawmakers think Trump committed federal crimes. But Senate Democrats also warn that Garland needs to proceed cautiously. Any prosecution that fails to convict Trump risks becoming a disaster and could vindicate Trump, just as the inconclusive report by Robert Mueller's team was seized upon by Trump and his allies to declare his exoneration on a separate series of allegations. Exoneration? Trump isn't guilty of anything. You're innocent until proven guilty. The fact they investigated him and found nothing means not only was Trump not guilty of anything, but he was innocent from the start, never even guilty, and still innocent to this day. Yes, exonerated. Senator Richard Blumenthal said, quote, clearly what Trump did 
in the days leading up to in the day of the January 6th attack on Congress falls in the ambit of what's being investigated and perhaps is criminal. That is a lie. And you need only look at uh, um, Ray Epps and Adam Kinzinger. Now, if I was a Republican and they were bringing this up, I would just be like, I'm sorry, the moment you said Ray Epps didn't incite anything and shouldn't be charged, I will not listen to anything you have to say. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. They go on to say, Senator Tim Kaine said it's up to the prosecutors at the Justice Department whether to charge Trump, though he believes that the former president's actions on and before January 6th likely violate federal law. Mm -hmm. That's what they're going for. I'm going to tell you why I don't think they can win. I don't think they can win. I'll show you why. Salt Lake City Tribune editorial calls for a National Guard to keep unvaccinated people in their homes. What? Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that Utah is a particularly blue state or anything like that. But this was something we saw from Rasmussen about Democrats. They're in favor of house arrest for the unvaccinated, taking their children away. Well, 30, around 30 percent, but more than half house arrest and around half want internment for the unvaxxed. Regular people, I'd imagine, are going to run screaming from this. But let me let me show you what else we got going on. Here's a tweet from Rob Deer. I'm sorry, Rob Dreyer. He says, day six of COVID. Now my wife and kids have it too. All of us vaxxed. Wife and I both boosted not long ago. Everybody we know who has Omicron was vaxxed. Most also boosted. So I got to ask, what's the point of vaccine passports now? Security theater, prepping social credit system. This has to be one of the worst political blunders we have seen. And I'm not I'm not saying scientific. I'm not saying medical. I don't know anything about that medical stuff. Don't take medical advice from me. Or I'm not talking about science. I'm talking about the Democrats going full speed into this narrative, demanding everybody, you know, vax mandates. We got to have a mask mandates. You got Cook County, Illinois, you got Frederick County, you got D.C., you got New York, you got L.A., you got Boston, all these places saying vaccine mandate. And people are still getting sick. So look, if you're in the cult, if you're a cultist, you'll probably just march in lockstep with these people. But if you're a regular person, you're asking these same questions. What about these policies from Democrats make sense to any of us? It doesn't. Why are we doing it? Someone responded to Mr. Dreyer. Elizabeth writes, my adult son, husband, and I are on day four. My husband is unvaccinated. He's doing way, way, way better than my adult son and I. 
WTF. That's not what we were told will happen at all. I'm grateful. Don't get me wrong. Harder to buy into the narrative now, though. I'm not here to talk to you about whether or not you should or shouldn't get the vaccine. That's on you, man. You need to figure out what's right for you and talk to a trusted medical professional, as I always say. But you can see how the narrative is shattered for regular people. This woman is saying she's still grateful. Grateful for what? Lady, what are you grateful for? You're sick. Harder to buy into the narrative now. Yeah, well, there you go. Whatever the narrative is. If they want to say, you know, that this is what the Democrats support, and it's proving not to work, or at the very least, the policy is proving not to work, or the policy is just pissing people off, Democrats are going to lose. Which brings me to the soapbox. From the New Republic, on non-citizen voting, New York City blazes another trail. Ah, trailblazers. Most people don't know it, but there's a long history in this country of non-citizen voting. Even the Confederacy embraced it. Oh, I didn't realize we were basing our positions and policies off of what the Confederacy had been doing, but sure. I do think it's stupid to come out and say, don't compare to the Confederacy because if the Confederacy did it, it must be bad. No, I'm sure the Confederacy had had basic things that made sense, like, you know, a post office or something. So sure, but non-citizen voting, we get where this is going. When you allow people into a place and they're not citizens, they've pledged no allegiance. They have no loyalty to you and your city. You have to be stupid to allow them to vote. Sorry, I'm not going to let my neighbor come in my house and then vote on my open door policy. Imagine living in Chicago and saying, well, I know the three of us are roommates in this house, but I'm going to let those guys across the street vote as well. It's like, yo, they don't live here. Yeah, well, you know what? They can come by whenever they want. And they walk in the door and they've been there for a few days and they're like, yo, we think you should leave your doors unlocked. You're going to be like, I, I don't want my doors to be unlocked. I have stuff in here I care about. No, 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 no. Unlock your doors. We're going to go open them. Then you get into an argument. Now you're arguing over whether or not the doors should be open. Now the doors are open. More people come in. All of a sudden, there's 10 people. You and your other roommate are screaming, close and lock the door. But now you've got eight people voting against you. And guess what? They're using your stuff. They're breaking your stuff. They're getting dirt everywhere. It's the stupidest thing in the world. And you know what? You don't need to hear me say it. Regular people. What do I mean, what do, what do I mean by regular people? I mean moderate Americans. The, the, the stressed sideliners, I think they called it. People who don't care about politics for the most part, which is changing. They're mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. And independent voters are, are, are more likely to become Republican than Democrat. The Democratic Party is also losing substantially more Democrat voters to the Republican Party. The Republican Party is growing in Florida. It's outpaced the Democrats in the country. The Republicans have taken the advantage from the Democrats. That, to me, is insane. It says maybe the red wave thing is right. Maybe there will be a big red wave. I don't think it'll guarantee us anything. I think we need to make sure that in the primary elections, you make sure you vote for Republicans who are not neocon establishment types. You want America first libertarian types. Live and let live help this country reallocate the tax funds into, I don't know, fixing pipes and helping people and, and maybe even, uh, you know, a, a new deal. Yeah, I'm totally in favor of the government saying, hey, we're going to take money away from these foreign incursions and put it towards, I don't know, building bridges and roads. Yeah, we could really use that. I'd love to see a high speed rail. I'd love to see, to see maglev tech, but we don't get that, do we? What are they even spending the money on? Military stuff? Okay, I get it. We're the world's police. But the will 
for war is waning. The Democrats are not going to be able to maintain this. Progressives will turn against them because they don't want war either. So you take a look at this non-citizen voting stuff. You take a look at the, the collapsing stores. And it says to me that Republicans, they could take it. But now, with all of that stacked in front of you, you must vote in the primary and make sure the guy or the, 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 the person, because we're politically correct here, right? Ladies can be in Congress. The person you vote for is going to bring your values to Congress and say no to this, to the insane policy of the Democrats, to the open borders nonsense, the destruction of the working class, to the big banks, the massive transfer of wealth. They're going to stop it and say enough. That's our chance. Don't forget to vote at the local level for your city comptroller, for your school board, for your mayor, for your sheriff, whatever it takes. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight at youtube.com slash timcastirl. We we, we should be having Andy No, James O'Keefe, and Libby Emmons. So that should be a heck of a show, but uh, I don't know, it might snow. We'll see what happens, but it'll be fun. So we'll see you there at 8 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. YouTube.com slash timcastirl live, and I'll see you then. For the past several years, Trump and the Republicans have been called fascists by the Democrats. And for most of us, those who have been paying attention to the news, we know that if anything is at all close to fascism or Nazism, it's actually the Uniparty, which is, for the most part, the Democratic establishment. Don't get me wrong. There are establishment Republicans that are basically like sleepers for the Uniparty. And what I mean by that is... There are establishment Republicans that have been in for, for years that do nothing but obstruct. Meanwhile, on the Democratic side, you have overt fascistic ideology, and it is rampant among their voter base, which is in the minority. Well, right now, the Democratic Party is the largest political party, followed by Republicans. But I mean the fascistic elements. While they are the majority of the Democratic Party, this shows you that among average voters, Democrat ideals, which are leading the party, are in the minority. And thus, I think it's fair to say there is a uh, strong likelihood of a red tsunami. But you've, you've seen the title of this video. You know what it's about. Let me just read you the story and this data which I got to tell you, surprised even me after everything we've seen over the past several years with Democrats staging, faking, manipulating events to try and impeach a sitting president. We are just now, or I should say, after all of that, I'm still shocked by what I'm, what I'm seeing. Because I'll tell you this, my friends. Lying about Donald Trump, trying to get him impeached. Yeah, it sounds like crooked crony corruption, right? You've got people like Hillary Clinton. We know are criminals. Donald Trump ain't no saint, mind you. But we saw what the, what the establishment elites did. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's going to reflect on the base of the party. Because a lot of the people who vote Democrat are probably just, well, not that smart. Or they don't pay attention. It's not so much about intelligence, but are they actively caring and paying attention? For the longest time, they were not. Many of these people started to. Now they're independent voters, and actually a large portion of independent voters have become Republicans. But on, uh, among the Democratic voter base, a majority favor detaining unvaccinated, imprisoning unvaccinated, taking people who refuse to get vaccinated and locking them away in designated facilities. And the craziest one, actually, not even the craziest, is the poor, is, is a large portion of Democrats favor arresting people for speaking out against the efficacy of vaccines. Wow. Yeah. 
the Democrats are fascists because this is majority of the Democratic Party. But let me break down what I said just a moment ago. If 59% of Democratic voters believe these things, that means you've still got a decent amount of Democratic voters who don't. It's less than half, sure, about 41%. But that means that if you were to break down all the parties, it is a large group of people in this country, maybe what, a third, but still the minority compared to what regular Americans want. Now, it's going to be incumbent upon the Democrats who don't want to be fascists to speak out, but they won't. And that, my friends, is the banality of evil. Here's the story from the Washington Examiner. Nearly two years after former President Donald Trump tossed politics into the nation's battle against COVID, the partisan divide appears to have grown. And they're blaming Trump for this? Are you out of your minds, Washington Examiner? With Republicans fighting mandates and Democrats calling for harsh punishments for those who refuse to get vaccinated. In an expanded survey of the public's view of mandates and punishments to get people vaccinated, Rasmussen reports found that Democrats even support fines, home confinement, and prison for those who fight the government on masks and shots. Over several questions in the survey for the Heartland Institute, the differences in how Republicans and Democrats view the crisis were stark. Consider, 29% of Democrats would go so far as to support taking children away from parents who refuse to be vaccinated. The first question in the survey set the tone. It asked if likely voters approved of coronavirus czar Anthony Fauci. Just 21% of Republicans, uh, 20% of, 20, of Republicans said they fa- view him favorably compared to 75% of Democrats. Now, if you were going to view Anthony Fauci favorably, you would have to be not paying attention. Because anybody who's actually looked up the history of this man or tracked what he's done and what he's doing would know he's a very awful and evil person. But I think it's fair to point out right now, the Democrats, for the most part, consist of two different kinds of people. You've got sycophants, tribalists who will lie, cheat and steal for power or, you know, out of fear. And then you have people who just don't pay attention. That seems to be the reality. The next question on President Joe Biden's mandate of of, uh, uh, mandating 100 employees or more, 22 percent of Republicans agreed. Well, Democrats were all in at 78 percent. Yeah, the Supreme Court said it was unconstitutional. Democrats are fascists. Asked if voters favor a favor a federal or state fine for those who refuse a vaccine. Only 19 percent of Republicans favored that. Who are those Republicans? Fifty five percent of Democrats favored fining people who refuse to get vaccinated. Now, that, my friends, is interesting. It's actually upheld by the Supreme Court. But I don't know if it would be upheld today because this was about 100 years ago in this famous case where they tried to get a guy vaccinated. He said, no, he said, we're going to give you a fine. He said, try me. Then he sued, saying, I won't pay the fine. Went to the courts. Supreme Court said, yes, they can mandate you get a vaccine. And if you don't, you got to pay a fine. And I think he still refused to pay it. Nothing happened. But I don't know. Check that one out. Uh, fact check that one. Rasmussen next asked people, asked if people favor home confinement for those who are not vaccinated. Now, this is surprising. 21% of Republicans actually support this. Okay, maybe not 21% because there's probably some who say, I don't know. But 79% were opposed. Where's the, it should be 100%. Are you nuts? 59% of Democrats favor house arrest if you refuse to get vaccinated. Now, I tweeted something silly and I tweet silly things on purpose. It was the thing from Occupy Democrats. You ever see these these crackpot conspiracy Occupy Democrat people? 
And they were like, Greece is finding people. Austria is finding people. Retweet if you think the U.S. should find people. And then I said something like, no, we should just lock people up until they choose to get vaccinated. Because then we wouldn't be forcing them. It would be their choice. You get the joke. Locking someone up until they do as they're told is called using force. The Democrats, 59% of Democrats, according to this survey, mind you, would favor house arrest as a coercive method to force you to get vaccinated. That is creepy, ain't it? The survey also asked about those who challenged the government's view of vaccines and if opponents should be jailed or fined for questioning it on social media. A remarkable 48% of Democrats supported these punishments and nearly half of Democrats favored fixing tracking devices on those who refused to vaccinate. Rasmussen added that Biden supporters would go even further than Democrats. President Biden's strongest supporters are most likely to endorse the harshest punishments against those who won't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Among voters who have a very favorable impression of Biden, 51% are in favor of government putting the unvaccinated in designated facilities and 54% favor imposing fines or prison sentences on vaccine critics. Yeah, uh, I don't think any of us were surprised by this. We've known this is how bad it's been for some time that Democrats have supported this level of insanity. Well, there you go. What do you do, what do, you do and what do you say? There are a lot of people that are still adamantly convinced that they're on the right side of history, even when they're in the minority supporting overtly fascistic policy. Now, a lot of people want to say fascist and use it as, you know, a kind of metaphor or an insult, pejorative. No, this is literal, literal fascism. You see, to understand fascism, it is the lucrative merger of corporation and state is one way uh, it's been described. But there's an element missing from what fascism actually turned out to be. And it was overt nationalism or adherence to the state. The, the, the way fascism worked, and, and, and again, everyone's going to give you a different opinion, mind you. So, But I actually read some historical analysis on this from more than one uh, source. And the general idea of something, something that was shared between the Nazis and the fascists was there was private enterprise. It wasn't overtly socialist. It was cultural enforcement. That was the power. The state didn't go and take over private corporations like the communists did and just force them to do things at gunpoint. What it was more about was everyone had, had to adhere to the national vision. And so they did have private corporations, but the people who ran those private corporations did things that would benefit the state because they were in adherence culturally. So one of the ideas I was reading uh, was there would be like a factory and the factory would produce a bunch of things. And then people, regular people would be like, why aren't you producing, you know, weapons for the war effort? You support the cause, don't you? It wasn't so much the government went to factories, kicked the door in and said, do as you're told, we're taking over, like it was with, you know, communism. It was more so you knew you would be destroyed. They would, they would end your careers. You would be canceled. The element of fascism in Europe was that the state and the corporations worked in, in unison because of fear of getting their lives destroyed. Someone would smash your windows, you'd lose your job, you'd be ostracized. Worse, depending on your background and who you were, you could be sent to a camp. 
So a lot of people would keep their mouths shut about who they were and adhere to the cultural enforcement. That's why I often say cultural enforcement is more important. So a lot of people, you take a look at these two things. This is why I think fascism is, is particularly more dangerous than communism. What we've seen with communism were, was psychopaths like you know Stalin, for instance, and Mao, using military might and authoritarianism and fear to make people do things. Now, mind you, when it came to the, you know, the Cultural Revolution in China and when it came to the Bolshevik Revolution, it, it still very was much cultural enforcement, but it was maintained through militaristic might. Although that is true with the fascists to a certain degree, it was overwhelming that these people were blindly marching in a cult. I guess, it, I guess it's fair to say that it's really hard to differentiate between communism and fascism in that, in that capacity. One big element was that uh, the communists were overtly progressive. They wanted to erase traditions, and the fascists wanted to maintain traditions. And that cultural enforcement differed in that way. But I got to be honest, authoritarians, authoritarian, you know what I mean? They do very similar things. In this regard, when Democrats come out and say everyone should do as the state mandates, Private corporations should do as the state mandates. It's sounding like it could go either way. You know, I guess we would just call it communism, sure. This is the, this is the report. It's from Rasmussen. Democratic voters support harsh measures against the uh, unvaccinated. Now, I'm not going to just stop here, all right? I'm not just going to say this is the evidence of Democrats being fascists or communists or whatever you want to call them. I think fascist is a better word for it, to be honest, because communist has a, has a broad, is, is, a, is a broad term. Historically, communists have done really awful things and murdered hundreds of millions, and it's really important to point out, plus the Holodomor. Fascism is a more like a razor's edge, a more precise way to describe the overt authoritarianism of what they do. Communism is more like a blunt instrument. It's a, it's a, it, was, it was much more wide-ranging. So I, I, like to say, I like to say fascist, you know, in regards to these people. Communists, I, communism, I, calling them communists, I don't think cuts deep enough in our understanding of what it is they want and do. Though I think it's fair to say, you know, either way, sure. Take a look at this tweet. Walker Bragman. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. One of the perfect examples of what is wrong with the Democratic Party, the Democratic voter, and heaven help us in the United States if these people continue to maintain power. For the love of all that is holy, my friends, you must share this information with every single person you know. Expose them. And you can tell everybody, listen, look at who they are and what they do and decide for yourself. But please be a free thinker. Do not march in lockstep with these people. You don't got to walk in lockstep with me, heaven. 
Heavens, no, please don't. I don't agree with most things the Republicans want. But the issue is we should be free thinkers, free to think and challenge. And we need to call out the psychotic authoritarianism of the Democratic Party and their voter base. Walker Bragman says, take Manchin into a back room. Tell him federal investigators are going to look into his daughter's price fixing. Tell him the military bases are moving out of West Virginia. Tell him he's off his committees or he can play ball. Incredible. This guy, Walker Bragman, is advocating the Democratic Party engage in multiple felonies to coerce a sitting politician into betraying his constituents to give one of the one of the major political parties power. I will say this. The Democratic Party needs to be disbanded outright. This right now should be a warning to everyone. This has got he's got 456 retweets. There are people who support him. A lot of people are opposing him, mind you. But this is the kind of cult fascistic zealotry that must not be tolerated. He says strike hard, but fair blows against him. Problem is Biden and Schumer have no fight in them. Wow. Take Manchin into a back room. What? What does that imply? It implies coercion and extortion. He knows what he's saying. These people, they would make the Nazis proud. These people are the worst of the worst in terms of authoritarian. I was talking to uh, my good buddy Luke over on IRL. And we, were, we, we mentioned this on the show. Like a, There was a certain point in Nazi Germany where people said, I'm getting out. I'm going to be leaving this country because of how bad it's getting. Now, a lot of people said they were crazy. They were, they were, they were Polish people. They were Jewish people. They were gay people. There were uh, other ethnic minorities. And there was a certain point where they said, it's time to leave this country. And they did. And many of them came to the United States and they lived better lives. Some of them fled to other parts of the world. But many of them said, I'm just going to stay. Can't get that bad. It won't happen here. And then it did. You know, I was talking to people about what's going on in this country and how they don't care. I was talking to one of our guests on IRL about potential for civil war. And they, didn't, and they didn't believe it. They were like, no, you really think so? I mean, what's the, what's the big deal? And I said, we had the most destructive riots this country has ever seen. The most destructive. Now, adjusting for inflation, maybe you can say we've ever seen, in, we, we, we've, the, the most destructive riots we've seen in 50 years. But the George Floyd riots, 30 people die, rioting sweeps across this country, buildings are smashed up everywhere. That is no small feat. Take a look at the Boston Tea Party. Does that compare to what we saw with the George Floyd riots? No. Take a look at the L.A. riots. Does that compare with what we saw in the George Floyd riots? No. Seriously, no. Look, I know a lot of people might come out and be like, but Tim, the roof Koreans and the guy getting dragged out of the car in Seattle. Far-left extremists took over several city blocks and unloaded 300 rounds into a white SUV, killing a teenager. This wasn't just one city. Autonomous zones popped up in a couple different cities. There were attempts in Portland. It happened in Minnesota, and it happened in Seattle. We saw rioting in small towns across this country. So tell me, the L.A. riots. Sure, they were bad. And they smashed everything up and it happened over three days. I think it was three days. But then take a look at the George Floyd riots and see how much more serious that was everywhere 
in small towns. Again, I always cite Michael Tracy's reporting because he actually drove to these small towns and looked at what was happening. That is worse than the LA riots, which is why many people said the worst rioting we've seen in 50 years. That is no small feat. And people say, yeah, but, you know, can it really happen here? I'm not saying you need to flee the country. I'm not saying we're at that point. Honestly, I don't know. But we have prominent left-wing verified Twitter personalities and journalists calling for Stasi-like tactics, calling for Nazi tactics to force sitting politicians to adhere to the authority. Manchin is a duly elected representative from West Virginia, and he votes as he decides. West Virginia is an overwhelmingly conservative state. I know, I live there, but I haven't lived there very long, to be honest. So this guy's answer is, take him in the back and flog him up, huh? Take him in the back and threaten his family. Look into his daughter's price fixing. Threaten his kid. Threaten him. That's, that's, that's fascism. They are saying it. They aren't hiding it. It's right in front of your eyes. Kamala Harris supported the rioters and helped bail them out of jail. Joe Biden's staff did the same. Project Veritas exposed Bernie Sanders staffer, staffers calling for violence against people, property, and destruction. So I take a look at what happened in those other countries and I say, wow, you know, I got to be honest. It may actually be worse than we've seen in other countries at the point when people are already fleeing. I've talked to some immigrants. You know, I was talking to an immigrant in Chicago from Bosnia. And he said, I think that's what he said, Bosnia. He said that he wanted to leave. He didn't want to be here. We have that uh, tweet. I think it's from uh, Tanya Posobiec, Jack's wife. And she said that when she fled the Soviet Union, she thought she was coming to freedom. But now in D.C., you need IDs and medical proof of a medical procedure to go out and eat food. That's, that's right now in our nation's capital. We saw metal barricades erected around our nation's capital with tens of thousands of National Guard troops blocking people from going to what is supposed to be controlled by the public. Not only could it happen here, my friends, I've said it before, it is happening. The Democratic Party must be stopped. The Republicans are no better. But we need to vote out every one of these incumbents and overwhelmingly reject the Democratic establishment and the authoritarian uniparty. That includes Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and Kevin McCarthy. Primary these people as soon as you can. We're in trouble, my friends. This is not, it does not bode well for us. The, the, the smears, the lies, the media manipulation. Now, I will not just sit here and say it's going to get worse. CNN's ratings are down by 91%. MSNBC's are down comparably. People are rejecting the narrative. When I look at some of these polls... And I see that the Democrats, you know, uh, these, these authoritarians are, are in the minority. I think it's a good thing. Now, if it grows and more and more Democrats embrace this, it would be a bad thing. But considering people are abandoning CNN, I kind of feel like this sentiment is probably dying out. That our, our message of freedom and liberty and being the good guy is probably resonating with people. Do you want to be the baddies? Do you want to be? Uh, uh, let, me, let me ask you. Tell this, ask us of your friends and your families, people who don't want to listen. Show them Walt uh, Walker Bragman's tweet and ask them, do you want to be the party that takes politicians into back rooms and threatens their families in order to gain political power? And if they say yes, say, okay, you know, and they'll probably freak out, reject it and refuse and say, no, I, I, that's not true. And that doesn't represent everybody. Where's the condemnation from you then? Will you speak out and condemn them? And they'll probably say yes. And that's the point. Make them say it. 
make them come out and say, we reject this. Because I'll tell you what, this is what we should be rejecting. Arresting people for not getting vaccinated, taking them to designated facilities. Are you serious with this? You see, Australia is doing it. And you've got state propagandists like Josh Zepps going on Joe Rogan's show and lying, downplaying. And to be completely honest, I got to say, when I saw Josh Zepps freak out in panic what, uh, in reference to me, it put a smile on my face. This duplicitous evil man, and I mean it, boy, was he panicked and angry at the thought that I called him out for being a piece of human trash, for defending the, the internment camps in Australia. As the Holocaust Museum said, a concentration camp, what, what, what makes it different from a prison? You're taken there without due process. And that's what they're doing in Australia. They're arresting people for being COVID suspects and bringing them to a camp, a camp that he called international arrival bungalows. You know, it's funny. The Democrats overwhelmingly support this man. So when I say civil war, and there are people who are like, Tim's wrong. I love how there are leftist people who want to rag on me saying I'm wrong about it while simultaneously claiming the, the, the right wants a civil war and January 6th uh, was an insurrection. Pick one. Is it or isn't it? Because I'll tell you this. If they start rounding people up for not getting an injection, if they start locking people down and they're doing it, if they start bringing people to camps, this country is going to get ripped apart in two seconds. And that's what I fear. Because then China takes over. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all then. Last week, prominent YouTuber and podcaster Ethan Klein of the H3 podcast announced he would be deleting a few of his interviews from his podcast with Jordan Peterson. Some of his biggest, mind you. I mean, these are really, really big million viewed videos. Now, on the surface, it looks like this is Ethan Klein realizing that he doesn't want to be in the alt-right pipeline, as he says. Many people that are anti-SJW or on the right said it was him basically capitulating to cancel culture. And that that's sort of true. But the reality here is that it looks like a business decision. And I think this is really important to discuss. The politics and business of censorship and how it is driving the culture war and making it worse. A lot of people see this. You know, one of the biggest podcasts uh, on YouTube, one of the biggest YouTubers denouncing Jordan Peterson, and it is a tribal issue. It is a culture war issue, and it could potentially make the conflicts in this country worse. But when you look beyond the surface, it's something else. Now, for those that aren't familiar, Ethan Klein runs the, as I mentioned, the H3 podcast. They have millions of subscribers. They get millions of views. I believe on average, he gets like a million to like 1.6 million views on his podcast. They do them. I think they're weekly. I'm not entirely sure. Now, Ethan Klein came out and said he was deleting these videos with Jordan Peterson because he didn't want to play into the alt-right pipeline or something like that, that people could hear what Jordan Peterson had to say and thus become alt-right. Now, this is fake news. It's just not true. I think this is a talking point used by Ethan to actually try and protect his business. And I can show you the stats and I can back up my, my, my speculation and my opinions on this. But it's not, it's not true that Jordan Peterson leads anyone to the alt-right. That's a manipulation from collectivists that are trying to make you upset with an individualist. 
the alt-right are collectivists. They're, they're typically racial collectivists, America first, but white nationalist types. Jordan Peterson overtly denounces this and speaks out against the alt-right regularly. Now, to be fair, Jordan Peterson hasn't been as prominent in the news as of recent, and there are absolutely a ton of reasons to criticize Dr. Peterson. He's far from perfect. He has his own problems. And some have even pointed out it's a bit hypocritical when he's got streams of himself in a messy room, but he tells people to clean up their room. Now, I know that's silly because what he really means is get your life in order before giving other people advice. And then you can have that whole argument. Look, Jordan Peterson recently went through some health issues and he stopped producing content. Seems like he was trying to get his life in order before going and giving other people life advice. But just because Jordan Peterson has given people good advice doesn't mean he's perfect. I actually am pretty much a fan of the guy, but I think we're always going to find reasons to criticize him. And I do think there are some relevant criticisms. It just seems that what we're seeing now with Ethan Klein is more indicative of the, the, the monetization and business ramifications of YouTube censorship. Ethan Klein recently got one of his videos taken down by a strike. This stopped him from streaming for a week. It appears that since that strike has, you know, the suspension has lifted, he's not produced anything in the past month on his podcast, but has produced a show which is interestingly just like this one. Maybe he realized that what he used to do isn't working. There was a major shift in tone on his podcast since around September, precip uh, uh, coinciding, I should say, with a major drop in viewership and subscriptions, which says to me, I'll put it simply, what we're seeing, in my opinion, is someone who's been, been podcasting for a long time, for years, his old content is now on the verge of getting him canceled. He actually got suspended. He's trying to find a way to reform his image and pander to what he thinks is mainstream, but he's wrong. And thus, he is burning subscribers and his channel is shrinking. In response to this, it seems he's launched an entirely new channel to try and recover and build a new audience of his core fans. But let me break down the news for you outside of just the introduction and show you the story from the post-millennial. In an opinion piece, Angelo Isidoro says, Jordan Peterson schools Ethan Klein on cancel culture after YouTuber deletes videos. Quote, you'll be held to higher and higher and soon impossible, uh, uh, higher and higher and soon impossible to maintain ethical standards by the very mob you currently wish to please. Then you will make a mistake and they will devour you. Now, Jordan Peterson is right. I don't care for the title Jordan Peterson schools Ethan Klein, although I totally understand on my YouTube videos, I have very much, you know, similar titles. On TimGuest.com, when we do straight news, we don't, but I get it. My YouTube videos are the same. They go to mention that, uh, ironically, Klein rose to fame on YouTube by making comedic videos about crazy, eccentric, or insincere people online. Yet much has changed since the old days of YouTube, as has Klein. Since hitting a lull in his comedic YouTube career, Klein pivoted to podcasting and has hosted numerous famous figures, including Dr. Peterson, whom he hosted twice. The success of his podcast led Klein to collaborate with various leftist commentators, including Hassan Piker. The two now have a show together called The Leftovers. Interestingly, I think that is what may have destroyed his podcast. I'm going to say this again, and it's for everybody, you know, look, I'm going to show you the stats. I believe that when Ethan Klein launched Leftovers with Hassan Piker, he started burning fans who don't like the hardcore tribalism. When Ethan Klein was doing drama content and mainstream pop culture, he was seeing massive viewership and massive growth in subscribers. For some reason, he pivoted left. The reason for this, in my opinion, 
Ethan Klein has numerous videos where he spouts racial and homophobic slurs. Uh, I'm not saying this to drag him or disparage him for doing it, but he did. Uh, Maybe he was trying to be edgy and be funny. I think this created a very serious risk to his business. Ethan mentioned on Instagram that he has 10 employees in a company and he can't make revenue when he's suspended. I think what we're seeing is him realizing he's crossed the line on numerous occasions. They're probably going to ban him for it unless he pivots. So he did. He's burning large amounts of his fan base. But it's kind of like this. If you have 3 million subs and you can be banned outright and lose 3 million subs and have no company and be poor, that's bad. What if you pivot, lose a million subs, but still have a company and still get to be rich? I think that Ethan Klein is taking the latter, that he's decided to pivot his content to the left to stay safe out of fear of being censored or banned. I'll tell you this. If you're a fan of my work, go to TimCast.com, become a member, because my response to fear of censorship was to set up accounts with Rumble and to build a private website with independent news articles and new shows and private membership so that if we get banned off YouTube, well, you know, at least I'll exist on the website for some time. Ethan Klein said, years ago, I interviewed Jordan Peterson before I was very familiar with his politics. He was an interesting guest who I enjoyed sitting with. But especially now, I can see he's a dangerous gateway to alt-right transphobia and COVID misinfo. I removed both interviews today. Ethan Klein is aware that that's not what alt-right means. Ethan Klein is aware of Jordan Peterson's politics. He's referenced them, even referencing the bill in Canada that would prohibit the uh, misgendering people, not using their pronouns. Ethan Klein was well aware of that. Now, perhaps he's saying that there's a lot more to, to, to Jordan Peterson he did not realize, but let's read more. He goes on to say, you know, he's, he's educated, blah, 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 but he doesn't agree. Peterson responded, what are you up to, Ethan? We had a good conversation. I enjoyed meeting you and talking with you. What have I said precisely that motivated your actions and your accusations? Deleting our discussions, an honest question. Finally, H3, you might seriously consider providing me with the footage so I can post it, given that I agreed to appear on your show on the agreement that there would, in fact, be a show. What did Jordan Peterson say? Jordan Peterson probably said a lot of things that to the average person are fine. But with the increasing, with the escalation of censorship, particularly moving into 2022, it's likely that Jordan Peterson made comments about women, made comments about the trans community. And it was likely that Ethan Klein is scared he will get a strike or be banned from old videos, as evidenced very, very simply in a post he made three weeks ago. Now, mind you, The shift to the left happened months ago, but it doesn't mean that this wasn't on Ethan Klein's mind. And we can see right now that getting rid of Jordan Peterson may have to do with this. Ethan Klein tweeted, YouTube denied the appeal, can't upload for a week. That's the way it goes when you dedicate your life to YouTube, have 10 full-time employees, own, uh, I'm sorry, owe rent on your studio, have thousands of paying members. You get banned for an old vid that nobody cared about until trolls mass reported it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Would right-wing individuals be going after Ethan Klein's old videos in the past? No, of course not. Now that he's gone left and is hosting Hassan Piker, yes, probably. He's got a, uh, like I mentioned, there's videos of him using uh, racial and homophobic slurs like outright over and over again and laughing about it. I think he realized this. People are going to go after him. It's going to be a bunch of people who are, trolls is the wrong word. I think, welcome to the culture war, Ethan. It appears to me, that for some reason he tried playing, pushing into politics. It damaged his brand, damages his brand. He doubles down on it, effectively getting woke and going broke. And now he's getting people going after his videos and it's hurting his business. 
I want to show a, a few examples of, of, you know, just to, I just want to point something out and just say, you know, Ethan is, is clearly in the wrong on some of these things. He tweeted, as I person, I found you am, as a person, I found you amicable and our conversations very interesting and insightful, but I am just not comfortable being a part of a pipeline leading to take, takes like this. He references a tweet from Jordan Peterson who criticizes the scientists who are calling out Joe Rogan. I just want to point out that around just shy of half or about a third of the people who criticize Joe Rogan in that list of doctors aren't even doctors. In fact, some are like museum curators and stuff. So the issue is when Jordan Peterson puts scientists in quotes, he is factually correct. Now, Jordan Peterson also criticized conversion therapy in, in, in Canada. Conversion therapy in Canada, as they point out, is not the same as we call it in the United States. They're basically saying telling someone to be comfortable with the gender they were assigned at birth is conversion therapy. Jordan Peterson criticized that. Ethan Klein's not happy with it. Now, I showed you Ethan Klein. He got a strike, denied the appeal. It hurt his business. I know this all too well, Ethan. I recommend you set up, you sign up for Rumble. Rumble will be more than happy to have you regardless of your politics. And in the event that you get shut down on YouTube, you can start streaming and posting on Rumble. The viewership will be less, but it's better than not doing any work and making no money, right? I totally understand where, where Ethan's coming from and probably why he's scared and probably why he's take, he took down these videos of Jordan Peterson. I'm not saying he's scared to insult him. I mean, quite literally, he probably has fears that YouTube could destroy his business. He's got one strike. If he gets another strike, he won't be able to do any work for, what is it, I think like a, a month or, or what, what, what is second strike? It might, it might be a couple weeks or even 30 days or something, something insane. Now, how's he going to pay his employees? How's he going to do his job? Certainly, he's got a lot of money, but nobody wants their business to go down. We've considered this very thing. Our strategy tends to be that if we do a show and someone crosses the line, we take it down and re-upload it to Rumble. And then we put up clips where we avoid whatever it is YouTube may have censored us for. I'll say as well, the show isn't as old, so we don't have old content that we're as worried about. But I will also add, I've never been the guy that, you know, would spout racial or, or, or homophobic slurs to try and do edgy comedy. I'm not saying Ethan Klein wasn't funny. I'm not criticizing the comedy. I'm saying that was his bit. One of the bits he did. Well, you can get banned for it. It can destroy your life. I don't appreciate uh, Ethan turning to politics in an attempt to try and save his business. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's honest. I think there are other ways to do it, but I think this is the real reason. Let's take a look at ETH, uh, H3H3 Productions. It's one of the biggest YouTube channels. This is Ethan's, I believe it's one of his original channels, if not the original, and it's got 6.29 million followers. Well, he's basically abandoned the channel. It still gets tens of thousands of views per day, but it looks like he's taking videos down. On Social Blade, you can see that his weekly averages are minus 3.8 million views in the last 30 days. He's lost 16.6 million views. The only way you can lose views on YouTube is if you delete content. We can also see that he's lost 20,000 subscribers. It would appear that Ethan Klein is going through H3H3 and deleting a ton of content. Why? They got him banned for a week, suspended for a week over old videos. He doesn't want his channel banned. Let me just explain this to you guys. If I do a video on this channel and I get a strike, that means my Tim Pool channel Timcast IRL are no longer allowed to upload either. It shuts down the entirety of anything related to me. That's insane. They are distinct shows. The youtube.com slash Timcast show is fairly similar to this one, but I typically talk about top, you know, higher level news and politics. This channel is kind of whatever I feel like talking about, like maybe it's H3 and the internal workings of YouTube. 
But if I get a strike here, my main show, gone. Tim Castiarella, talk show with guests, shut down for a week. Ethan Klein has old videos on a channel he doesn't seem to care about, but he's deleting, it appears that he's deleting content because if he gets a strike there from an old video, it shuts down the entirety of his business, including his new channels, which he recently launched. Let me show you this real quick, and then we'll, we'll talk about his new channel. The H3 podcast has 3 million subscribers. I mean, this dude has one of the biggest brands on the web. But something happened with the H3 podcast. Recently, we can see almost 8 million views erased from his channel, likely the deleting of the Jordan Peterson episodes. If we go down to his view count, he's been enjoying a decent amount of views. I mean, he was getting 27 million views in a month, 41 million views in a month. But something happens to his subscriber base. From June to July, he he went from 120,000 new subscribers in June to only 10,000 subscribers in July to negative 10,000 to zero by October minus 20,000. He's been losing a lot of viewers. I think there's two things for this. Earlier in the year, his channel was fairly stagnant. When he was doing pop culture stuff, his channel was skyrocketing. He was gaining tons of subs and he was gaining tons of views. But I think his fear is that as the left becomes more powerful, more prominent, as young woke millennials gain political power and gain power in YouTube, they're going to ban him. They will absolutely go after his old content. And boy, does he have a lot. And boy, is it offensive and edgy. So he decides to shift to save face. This is tanking his subscriber base and his viewership. Typically, I mean, his viewership is still fairly good. I mean, the H3 podcast got 26 million video views in October, 24 in, in, in November, and 20 in December. It's going down. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a big show, mind you. I don't think he has a large presence on podcast platforms. It's just a YouTube thing. But uh, it's, it's pretty good. This is what happens when the woke leftists go after your content. You start getting, you know, threats. I, I'm willing to bet a channel is channels as big as his. Someone from Google is talking to him and they're probably saying, look, if someone flags one of your old videos, you're done. When we had Alex Jones on the show, they took the episode down. We got a warning. One more takedown. We get a strike. We're suspended for a week. You don't get any other warnings ever, which is which is BS. Because I think warnings should have a 30 or three month lifespan or a month lifespan like strikes do. Because it's like, yo, we're not egregious offenders. We're not trying to break the rules. We're trying to have a talk show. And then the stuff you don't want us to talk about YouTube, fine, we'll bring somewhere else. But we deserve warnings. When I was talking to Google about this, they said, it doesn't matter what he said, you've got to strike. There's no arguing it. We won't change our mind based on you trying to explain why you think it was okay. We've already determined it was wrong. That's it. One more time and you're in trouble. Our, I would say like 70, 80% of our business shuts down if I get a strike. Now, Ethan Klein probably feels the exact same way. Around uh, June is when he hosted uh, uh, Sam Cedar with Steven Crowder. And interestingly, it appears this resulted in a big boost for him in June. He gained a bunch of subscribers, probably left-wing ones. But the next month, he only gained 10,000, which is low because he was getting 20, 30,000 before. And now he's burning subscribers worse than he was in the previous year. I think what happened was he saw an opportunity to get on the side of the left to protect himself from potential cancellation. It's burning his channel. He's just going to keep doubling down on it. When people's YouTube channels suffer, something we really see is the launching of new channels and I'll explain why. If you have, say, a million subs, the the, the old algorithmic uh, um 
data that was released based on the, I don't know if it's, it's still current, but it was said by a lot of prominent channels, you need every video you put out to get around 9% of your subscriber base. When your video launches, YouTube sends your video to a random sampling of your subscribers. If those subscribers do not click on the video, YouTube sends your video to much less people. Hence, people don't get notifications anymore. This creates a death spiral where the less YouTube shows your video to people, the less views it gets, the faster your channel burns and dies. YouTube, uh, I'm not sure who said this. I think it was someone from YouTube stated in the past that deleting subscribers off your channel without them knowing was to help you because these are people who don't watch your content. Of course, that doesn't always work because a lot of people say, I was unsubbed from your channel for no reason, even though I watch your content. Yeah, it doesn't work. Which brings me to H3TV, a new channel from Ethan Klein, which I think it's fair to say backs up my assessment of what's going on with this podcast. That is to say, the, the change of political opinion and the going and the deleting of Jordan Peterson has nothing to do with politics, but it will have something to do with politics moving forward. This channel launched, I believe, uh, this year and already H3TV. I believe it's new. It's uh, created July 27th, 2021. So the channel was created uh, in July of last year. Interesting, isn't it? Around the time that H3 saw a big boost, but then a major decline in subs, he must have had data where he decided to launch another channel. He didn't put anything on it, though. The beginning, of the beginning uh, at least I don't believe he did. I think it looks like he gained some subscribers around then when he launched it, but he hasn't really gained anything until this month where he gained 117,000 subscribers and has gotten 2.5 million views. This channel from Ethan Klein is particularly similar to, similar to the channel you're watching now. Ethan has his face and a little cut uh, cut out of the side of the video, and then he shows things from his screen and talks about them and sometimes shows his full face. This channel is growing. It's doing very, very well. He's averaging 84,000 views per day and 4,000 subscribers per day. A smart move for someone who's worried about their company being shut down by YouTube. In fact, this channel I'm on right now was created because I was getting censored on YouTube. And so the idea is, it's a stupid idea because it doesn't work. If they delete your main channel, you'll have a backup channel where your subscribers are. If you've built up 100,000 subs and you're worried about getting banned and starting a new channel, having to, you just tell everybody, make sure you subscribe to my other channel where I'll be if, you know, you don't see if, if this channel gets shut down or something. It doesn't really work. What Ethan has done has adopted a similar podcasting method to what I do here and uh, and what many others do. I'm not saying it's just me. I'm saying it's, it's like this is how you can get an understanding of what the channel is. And he's directing his core fans to this channel where they're going to subscribe. Now, what this will do, it will it will tell YouTube that we've got a, a prominent, powerful new channel on the rise. And thus, YouTube will start promoting it in the algorithm. It also gives Ethan a clean slate. He's got no past content on this channel to go after. In my opinion, what he'll probably be doing is deleting a ton of his old content from the other channels and abandoning them, and then working on a new channel on a clean slate so that he can't get his business shut down, as he stated. I feel for the guy. I don't blame him. Uh, I don't like his politics. I think Ethan's gotten a lot of things wrong. I think the Sam Cedar interview was just, it was particularly dumb. It was Steven Crowder was going to talk to Ethan, but Ethan, you know, ambushed him with Sam Cedar instead. I'm not a fan of that. But uh, I, I don't care if, you know, if Ethan wants to do videos with Hassan Piker, by all means, more power to him. I feel for Ethan. I just think he's going the wrong way about this. He had a lot of fans. 
He didn't have to be lefty. He didn't have to be right wing. He was just a comedian with with almost 10 million subs, probably more. He probably has other channels. Instead of just staying true to himself, it appears that he's, he's decided to adopt a left wing stance co- through, co- through the coercion that is being levied at him by the left wing censors. I won't play that game. Obviously, there are certain things I can't say on YouTube. And so we have TimCast.com, where we write whatever articles we want, and we have members-only segments. So become a member at TimCast.com. And then if they ban me from here, we'll be on Rumble with much less viewers, and we'll have TimCast.com, but we'll be okay. Ethan Klein is holding himself back, sacrificing his, uh, I think he's sacrificing his potential, his potential by, by, going in the direction that the censors are pushing him in because he's worried about getting shut down. I want to show you this. It's from Bruce Melman. He's, he's, he tweeted out Gallup data. This past year, around August, there was a shift in party, party identification. We can see that while Democrats tend to enjoy the majority of party, party identification, it's now Republican. 47% of people either are Republicans or lean Republican, and 42% are Democrat or lean Democrat. And that's a shift. Back in the third quarter of, of 2021, it was actually 45 Dem to 44 Republican. I say what I think, and I think people are shifting Republican not because they are necessarily more conservative, but because the Democrats and the establishment left are insane. And they're saying, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore. Ethan Klein is deciding to go with the de- Ethan Klein is deciding to go with the decline. So here's why I think this was, was this warranted a conversation. I don't believe Ethan Klein's actions are overtly political. I don't think the guy knows a lot about politics. I think he's even stated that in the past. He's probably learning some stuff, but I think he's getting a lot wrong. That's fine. He's allowed to. And I'm sure they think I get things wrong too. Hey, but that, that, that's politics. That's, that's fair, right? We'll have those arguments. The problem is, if he just straight, stayed true to himself, he had the majority of people on his side. Regular people like the edgy comedy. Regular people like Jordan Peterson. Not everybody, and there's things to criticize him for. I'm not going to sit here and pretend he's perfect, but regular people, they like Joe Rogan. There's a reason why Joe Rogan is the biggest show in the world in podcasting, and technically probably the biggest show in the world. What I don't understand is why Ethan could have stayed true to himself and the content he produced and who he is and still be prominent among the mainstream and throw it away out of fear of being banned, to be honest. Joe Rogan's got a contract. Spotify's not going to ban him. Ethan doesn't have that same safeguard. And Ethan Klein doesn't have a functioning private website the same as many other people. My advice to Ethan would be this. Instead of burning hundreds of thousands of subscribers or tens of thousands by adopting a, a, a political, a, 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 you know, an extreme political ideology, why not just sign up for Rumble, upload, you know, simult- other, other content or member content, make your own website, encourage people to be members on your website, and expand your business in that direction instead of just saying, I will do whatever the whims of YouTube are. Because certainly, at a certain point, if this decline continues, you're not going to have your business or your podcast. Ethan Klein was doing shows about mainstream pop culture, having nothing really to do for, in many ways with politics. He hosted Jordan Peterson because Jordan Peterson's a dude. He's hosted Hassan Piker in the past. Why side with anyone overtly instead of just staying true and talking to regular people? Now, I'll tell you, maybe, maybe he's had an awakening. Maybe he's just become woke and he's adopted his politics and he's willing to sacrifice his business for them. Perhaps. I think when you look at the totality of the picture, 
What we have here is the coercion from big tech does work in pushing previous edgy comedians, previously edgy comedians, formerly edgy comedians into wokeness. It's not going to work for a lot of people, but maybe the idea is he's going to pander to a younger generation. I don't think that's going to work out. When we see this Gallup data showing that more people identify as Republicans and it's on the rise, it's not because people are all of a sudden changing their opinions and being like, I want lower taxes. Although that actually may be a big portion of it. It's because the Democrats are censoring people. It's because they're advocating for censorship. It's because they're advocating for horrifying things that make life suck. And regular people are like, just leave me alone. And in Florida and Texas, where you get Republican governors, they're letting you go out and live your life. So if you want to be the people who live under lockdown for the rest of your lives, by all means, pander to this party. But in the end, I have no problem having Alex Jones, Steve Bannon, Vosh, Batya Unger Sargon, left and right wing personalities mixed all around on Timcast IRL. And I'm not going to delete past episodes when the rules change. They'll just ban me. That being said, I'm not perfect. No one is. And I understand the issue. If there ever came time to me being told by Google, we will shut down your show unless you get rid of this episode, we'll put it on Rumble. I'll make a big stink about it and say, Sign up for Rumble, Timcast IRL, Rumble, rumble.com, search Timcast IRL. You'll find our channel there. We put up our clips all the same. And if it comes to that point, we switch platforms. Maybe we won't get as many views. We won't be as relevant, but the business will persist. Our ideas will persist. We will not be shut down. I don't blame him for deleting his content. I get it. He didn't need to delete the Jordan Peterson thing, but they're going to get him banned. So Ethan, set up a Rumble account. They'd be more than happy to have you. Challenge the ideas you disagree with, and you will find success. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.